As a strong, independent mother, there is nothing that will get in the way of your child's safety. Soberlink understands the importance of peace of mind when it comes to co-parenting after a divorce. Using the highest quality technology and with features like facial recognition and real-time results, moms like you are empowered with proof that your child is safe. Navigating life post-divorce can be difficult, and having a tool like Soberlink allows for one less thing to stress about. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create this resource, Tips for Single Moms Returning to Work. To access the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash MMO. This week on Moms Moving On. The vast majority of the cases we have are alternate. Well, I get Easter this year, you get 4th of July next year. I don't think that's what's best. And I'll tell you why. Because this area of law, whose eyes are we viewing this area of law through, right? The, The standard in New York is best interest of the child. So what does best interest of the child mean? You're supposed to be viewing this, and the court is, through the eyes of the child, not through the eyes of either parent. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. Thank you all for being here with us and for all your feedback on the last couple of episodes. I know that grief episode with Bobby Thomas hit you hard, but wasn't it so insightful and helpful? I think so. Anyway, today's going to be helpful also because we are talking all about parenting plans, what you need to know, what you need to keep in mind, and what you certainly can't forget. And we have one of my favorite new people on. His name is Dennis Vetrano, and he's a New York attorney, and he's got the greatest TikTok, which I'll link. But more than that, he graduated from SUNY Albany with a bachelor's degree in poli-sci and a minor in economics, but he began his dedication to the law as a law student at Albany Law School. He is helping people all over the country with really useful information and a great personality too. Dennis, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's great to be here. I um, I found you. I don't know. I think my assistant found you and shared your TikTok and I've been hooked. I'm still old school and sticking to Instagram, but I applaud your efforts because you're not only entertaining, you're helpful too. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, and and I, I have a confession to make right out of the gate. Are, are, are we Let's hear it. To, Let's hear to start it. for a headline right out of the gate. Yes. I have been binging on your podcast and I am so impressed with the guests you've had and the conversations. So and, and I'm not trying to, uh, really, I'm not trying to butter you up. Honestly, it's it's fantastic. So you should be I'm impressed. so honored to be on your podcast. You should be impressed with yourself because, you know, I think there's there's an important thing that I have with my podcast. And it's, I, I don't just, you know, want to give people the celebrities or the personalities that are entertaining. It's really for me, like high level information that will be transferred to the public in a way that's digestible. And you do that so well. So anyway, now that we're done buttering each other up, why don't you give people like <laughs> the Dennis right. the Dennis background? Sure. Okay. So, I mean, I have a varied background in this particular area of law. I mean, I started out in private practice uh, about 22 years ago now. 
started handling cases in all realms, all areas of law. And then I just started to gravitate towards family law and divorce cases because it put me in the courtroom more frequently than others. And then I discovered through the course of that process that here's a circumstance where I can I can be in the courtroom, in my element, fighting for people who really need my services. I mean, think about it like this. What other area of law do you have more valuable things hanging in the balance than in a divorce or a family law case, right? So it's your retirement plan. And that's not the most important thing. It's your kids first, really. And then retirement plan and houses and your income and where you're going to live and everything you've owned or acquired over the past, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. So so I, I valued being put in that position where I could really fight for people where really, really important things were hanging the balance, not something like, you know, whether or not you get two or $3,000 from your slip and fall or whether or not your property line is, is you know, two inches further away or not. Mm-hmm. Um, these are families we're fighting for. So, so I gravitated towards that area of law and then child abuse and neglect prosecution, representing children for several years as an attorney for children and now divorce and family law litigation attorney who has a large firm behind me. So. And totally, I think with the, you know, the discretion that the courts use in family law cases, you really have more of an impact to make a difference because you're not bound by sentencing laws or, you know, economic calculators. You're, you're really just going off of heart and and what makes the most sense for the children. So I can totally appreciate that. And that's where, you know, every, every mom that reaches out to me, and obviously there are a lot of them now, they're really concerned with making the best decisions possible for their kids on the parenting plan. And I think it's amazing how many women say, you know what, I hate my ex, but I know it's important that he's in my child's life lives and I right. want to make sure I'm doing the right thing, but I also don't want to screw myself. And right. not everybody has the opportunity to ask hundreds of questions to their attorney because they're being billed for it. So we always want to give right. the best information. So let's hear it from you. What do you think are the top things on a parenting plan that should be really taken into consideration? Well, I think you're going to start off with the with the real basic, like large issues, right? You're going to start off with, you know, what the access schedule is going to be, because you want to have an idea as to what that's what that's going to be day to day, minute to minute. And I, and I think, look, where does that come from? I mean, kids function best. I found as an attorney for children representing them for years, kids function best when they have structure. They they may seem and they may even tell parents, I want to do what I want. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, the kids who flourish are the ones who have clearly defined structure that's provided by the adults. They don't want to be left to their own devices. Amen. So so I guess we start there. I can't tell you how many cases I've had arguing back and forth, court appearances, emergency calls in the middle of the night about holiday schedules. Oh my God, what's going to happen on Easter? You know, am I going to be able to see them open their gifts on Christmas morning? So yeah. that's one of the second ones. I have a whole theory behind how to structure holidays. And I... I learned the hard way because I was in a rush to get through my divorce and made all sorts of mistakes. But yeah. I'm of the belief that kids should see both parents no matter the holiday, no matter who had it last year, next year, whatever. Split each holiday. You know, Christmas yeah. is two days. You have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And in my experience, there's always somebody who's bigger on the Christmas Eve side than on the Christmas Day side. Split it. Let your kid experience Christmas with both parents, same with Easter, same with Hanukkah. There's eight nights, figure it out. Like it should never be, in my opinion, all one parent one year and all one parent the next year. 
And it's funny. And so, so let me start off with, I agree with you 100%. And I'll tell you why in a moment. But the vast majority of the cases we have are alternate. Well, I get Easter this year, you get 4th of July next year. I don't think that's what's best. And I'll tell you why. Because this area of law, whose eyes are we viewing this area of law through, right? The, The standard in New York is best interest of the child. So what does best interest of the child mean? You're supposed to be viewing this, and the court is, through the eyes of the child, not through the eyes of either parent. Not what's best for them, what's yeah. best for the child. Yeah. And what's best for the child in a perfect world is to have both parents invested and involved in the children's lives. And what better way to do that than, hey, we're having a birthday party. You can come over. Or if you can't come over, we're going to have a birthday party in the morning and you're going to have something in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So on the birthday, on the child's birthday, they get to see both parents. Yep. Christmas, same thing. But here's the problem, Dennis. We we start creating this parenting plan when we're at our most emotional and angry and resentful and out for blood. And it's so Absolutely. easy to lose sight of what the kids need. And I and I hate to say it, but in all of my experience working <clears throat> with my clients, there's always, and I hate to say it's usually the male who's driven by ego in this whole crafting of the parenting plan. I want what's fair. I want what's fair for me. And I want what's mine. And what's fair for the parents is almost never what's fair for the kids. Yep. And and let me say this, let me, let me take the ego thing and, and turn it and shift it slightly. My, the way I describe that is I call it parental pride. Mm -hmm. I think there are so many dads out there and listen, don't, don't think for one second, I'm bashing dads. What I'm saying is if you want to be a dad, be a dad. So, so drop them off at daycare, know who the teachers are, know what the dentist, dentist had to say at their last checkup, you know, be involved in every aspect. Mm -hmm. I find I have a lot of cases where I represent the mom and they'll say to me, well, my soon to be ex says they won't agree to anything less than 50, 50. Yep. Meanwhile, they're working a hundred hours a week. (laughs) They've never been involved from the start. They have no plan as to how they're going to going to take care of the child, but it's got to be 50-50. So I tell my clients, never acquiesce to parental pride on the other side, especially if it's not realistic. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many clients I've had whose ex-spouses are orthopedic surgeons and, you know, CEOs that travel 300 days of the year, but they want 50-50 because it's what's fair. And it's so illogical to me. It is. It is. And and again, what I call it, you call it ego. And I, and I, and I can totally see that. I look at it as parental pride. And, and I think we're saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they just feel like I'm bio dad. I automatically get 50, 50. And, and even when I have the dad in those cases, I have to politely remind them, no, that's not the way the law works. This mm-hmm. is viewed through the eyes of the child. It's what's best for the child. Yep. And I don't see the judge saying, if you're, you know, a long haul trucker traveling, you know, six months out of the year that you're going to somehow have 50-50 and stick the child with a daycare provider. Right. It's not fair to the child. Right. Exactly. So, so what's the best, you know, how do you avoid this? I mean, I know, I know every case is different, but especially in the case of of moms with young kids under the age of five, you know, they freak out the most as did I, because I separated when my daughter was two. They don't want to give up their kids 50% of the time, especially to sit with a babysitter or a nanny because dad's working. So, so what's like, what's the best possible outcome of all that? I think, as I said, my advice to my clients generally is not to give in to the other side's parental pride, because what that ultimately leads to is they ask for 50, 50, 
they don't exercise it, child's with a daycare provider, child's unhappy, and then where do you end up? You just end up back in court. Mm-hmm. So I think I, 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 a lot of the clients in the process just want to get out. Mm-hmm. They just, I want to get it over with. They're insisting on 50-50, let's me. just get it done. For me, if at the outset I had more um, assistance, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a counselor, as you said before, when people are going through. So I read an article, um, I think it was in Psychology Today or something like that. And they said people generally, when they're going through the divorce process, are three degrees up a different or a field from their typical, their normal personality, their, their baseline personality, because the divorce process really puts them in that circumstance. Right. So, so I think if I had, on both sides, and I'm not saying just the wife, or just the husband, or just the mom, or just no. We're at I'm our worst. Both. We are at our like, worst. We we are, and and I think at that time, and and I'm having this more and more frequently lately with the dads that I represent because I'm telling them the stuff I'm telling you. I don't really give any different advice. I say, look, if it's not realistic to have the child 50-50, then why are we fighting? Why are we spending tens of thousands of dollars to fight over this? Mm-hmm. But what I need at that point is I need a professional to be getting them to understand, like, like adjust the lens through which they see this case. Try to counsel them through the ego and the parental pride to look at things realistically through the child's eyes. So, so I guess at the outset, if both parties had a counselor a and guardian. or a coach and or, well, and, and, a, and, a, and an attorney for children or law guardian who was going to have a strong personality on behalf of the child, because many of them don't. Many of them look at this like it's just a job. It's just a paycheck. I never did when I handled those sorts of cases. Mm-hmm. So strong personality on behalf of the children and then counselors and our coaches to assist each party on either side of the case to keep the emotions down, to understand that ego and parental pride should not drive what you're seeking in this case and, and further, you know, fuel the fires of litigation. And then look, at the end of the day, you just end up paying all the money to me. Right. And I don't want that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm just being honest and I prefer not. I've always told people I would prefer to handle mediated and collaborative cases more than anything else. I'm prepared to litigate and fight over anything you want. But, you know, I would prefer the more amicable route because I feel it's a it's a better result for the kids. And it's a longer lasting resolution, less costly uh, and less acrimony. Totally. So maybe if we had getting the so so I guess my to, to recap, just getting the emotions under control and don't let the emotions drive what you're seeking in the case. Let logic and best interest of the child drive the case. And if you're a parent who's listening, who is able to put emotions to the side and is now fearful of the emotions and the pride uh, and poor decisions that your ex is trying to insert into the process, have a little faith and lean on your attorney. And I always say like, you know, my clients will call me freaking out. He said he's going to do this. And I always say, just because someone says something doesn't make it true Take a few days to like relax. Don't respond emotionally because you're only going to dig yourself into a bigger hole. It's here. Oh my God, I can't believe it. My book is officially out in the world. Have you ordered it yet? It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and comes out the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, 
Shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self and create the life you truly deserve. So order it now. What are you waiting for? I want to go back to something you said about, you know, the dad who wants his kid 50% of the time, but is working all the time. This is where I talk about the right of first refusal with my clients. And so many of them will say, what? I don't even know what that is. And I think it's so important. My attorney pointed out to me (laughs) why it was important. We were able to design like a seven and a half hour right of first refusal on my parenting plan because I have an active social life. Um, So I think that's something we can dive into and you can explain it more eloquently, I'm sure. Yeah, the right of first refusal is, uh, I mean, at its core, Nobody has a greater right to their children than the biological parent, right? No daycare provider, no gram, even grandma and grandpa, even aunts and uncles, they don't have a greater right to the child than the biological parent. So if one biological parent is supposed to have the children, say, this weekend, and they found they have to take a business trip now and they're going to be gone all weekend, it's not really fair for them to just stick the children with a daycare provider when the children could be with the other parent. Mm-hmm. So what we do in those circumstances is we build in terms that say, you know, look, that you, you can have an hour trigger. It'll, and I've seen them from two hours to eight hours to 10 hours to a day to two days. If you cannot care for the children for more than an eight hour span, then the children automatically have a right of first refusal for the other parent. So the other parent, they have to contact the other parent and say, hey, can you care for the children this particular weekend? I can't for this day and that day. And then ultimately, if the other parent can't do it, then they can get a daycare provider. Um, That's one of the terms we always build into our agreements. And we typically build that in with what I call equal participation language, right? So it would be something like, who goes to ball games? Who goes to the extracurricular activities? Who's entitled to get medical records? Who gets to see the report card? Who gets to go to parent-teacher conferences? And in my mind, all things being equal, it should be both parents. Yeah. It should be both parents. So a lot of moms will say, I want to be primary parent on the parenting plan. What does that mean for you? Or what do you think about that? Uh, now, now, keep in mind, I've been doing this over two decades now. And, and when I started out, that was super important, primary parent. And, and sometimes, and, and it had a, let's say functional importance, right? Because it was connected to child support and whether or not you qualified for it and a couple of other things. But now it doesn't really matter as much when it comes to who's entitled to child support. And, um, and because we're trying to work through more cohesive agreements, um, parenting plans moving forward, uh, it's, it's less and less in the forefront, let's say. So for me, I, my clients will always come in and they say, I want to be, I want full custody. Right. That, that's, that's the phrase. I get full custody all the time. All right. <laughs> um, so, so I have to politely explain the difference between, which is my job, that's what I do, between legal custody and physical custody. You know, legal custody is major decision-making in a child's life and in large part, you know, boiling it down. Um, which can be sole or joint or some variant of that. Sometimes it's joint with a final decision maker. And then who's primary, primary physical custody. Essentially, the way I describe it to clients is where the child calls home. Mm-hmm. So I think now the way more, more and more courts tend to approach this is the child doesn't really necessarily only have one home in a split family, right? 
Um, the best of all worlds, you you theoretically would have a home with dad and a home with mom. It's not like, well, when I'm with mom, I'm home, but I'm with dad, I'm not, or vice versa for that matter. I tell my clients, kids are all about time. Not just your order, but your involvement in their lives. And you will see over time, their kids are just like a bank, right? You invest the time in them and you see that relationship you have with them. Mm-hmm. So when I get the dads that haven't been involved, you know, and but but want to now, or moms for that matter, I say, look, you got to put the time in. Because if you, if it, so, so what I found working with kids as an attorney for children is when you would meet with the kids at moms, they'd say they wanted to be with mom. A lot of cases. And when you'd meet with the kids at dads, they'd say they want to be with dad. Right. So the conclusion that I've come to is the more you, the more time you spend with kids, if you're doing the right things, the more time they're going to want to spend with you. So in these cases, the resolutions to, to all of the moms out there and really any clients, I mean, I represent moms and dads, a lot of moms and a lot of dads. Um, it's about time with kids. So, so I don't really focus on who's the primary as much. I focus on time. I, like I want that. you to, because, and, and, and here's another piece to that. There's major decision-making, right? Which is the legal custody. And then there's also day-to-day decision-making. Major decision-making in a child's entire life is only a handful of decisions. Right. A perfect example is what religion you want to raise them as, right? But what do they eat for dinner tonight? Which friends do they see? What sports are they involved with? Uh-huh. You know, how do they dress? What clothes do they wear? Those things are all more within the purview of day-to-day decision-making. And the person who has the child with them at that time makes those decisions. So therefore, if you have your children 75% of the time, you can anticipate about 75% of the decisions in the child's life you're going to be making yourself. Until they're old enough to tell you, I'm not wearing that and I'm going to go see this friend, right? (laughs) right, (laughs) Until at one point they're in control of you. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And that comes sooner rather than later. I have, um, I'm a father of a five-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son. Um, and my five-year-old daughter now, she does, she picks all of her own yeah, clothes. Yeah, you're not you telling, not her, telling her what she's going to wear. Hell no. I'm, I've got she that. She tells daddy what room. she's doing. I know. Um, but that but that brings me to a good point because I, I know in my experience personally and women I've worked with, regardless of who is primary parent, the other parent will always try to exercise some control over what's happening in the other parent's home. I don't want her wearing that, or I don't want her watching that, or why are you feeding her this? And I always say, not their home, not their problem. I personally, if you're dealing with a high conflict ex-spouse, I don't think it's okay to just consistently bow to their needs because they're controlling you from afar. You might as well have stayed married. But I'm wondering what your take on that is. So I agree with that 100%. And and I will tell you, um, so so in my career as prosecutor for child abuse and neglect, representing children and, and representing people in divorce and family law cases, I've taken a lot of training on domestic violence, right? And as soon as you say control to me, that automatically bespeaks a domestic violence relationship. Um, and I know for many, they say, well, you know, that that's not, that's going way too far. I wasn't getting beaten up. I wasn't, you know, But once people start thinking they can control what you do in your life, that's the beginning of what that is at its core. So I think many people who split, who go through a divorce, many women especially, 
don't realize they were in a domestically violent relationship all along. And just because you weren't getting beaten up and just because the police weren't showing up in the house, doesn't showing up to the house doesn't mean you were in a domestically violent relationship. Once people start telling you what you can do in your household, what you can wear, where you can go, what friends you can see, or those tech, incessant texts, who are you with? Where are you? When are you coming home? Ugh, Dennis, but this is, this is all of us. We're all, so many of us are dealing with this. <laughs> I, it is. But, but this it is, is what I... You need to hear this, people, from the lawyer's perspective. You're not in violation of your parenting plan if your kid is wearing an outfit your ex-husband doesn't like. No. That That's just no. science. Like, that's the way it is. That And, and, and that statement is absolutely 100% true. Absolutely and, 100%. And more than that, your parenting plan is there to protect you. Like, everything you yes. need to figure out between the two of you is in that plan. So outside yes. of that, your ex is not allowed to make the decisions for you. And, and women... Right myself included, we get so nervous, like, well, maybe if I just listen to him, he'll leave me alone. No, if you listen to him, he's going to keep trying to exert control. Right, right. And and I think the thing is when you're dealing with, and and I'll call it what I believe it to be, when you're dealing with an abuser, because anybody who's trying to control you is that in my mind, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's to a minimal degree, Um, when you're dealing with someone like that. So so how do you deal with that? How do you deal with those high conflict custody and visitation cases that I've had for years? Um, Do you do you gray rock? Do you do you parallel parent? What's the best answer? And, you know, we can talk about those later on if if you'd like. My bottom line for clients is always do not acquiesce. Because I think when the person on the other side tries to control you, if you think that simply by acquiescing, agreeing to whatever it is that they want, that somehow that's going to fix everything. It's my experience is it does not. It does not. It never does. It always leads to more. No. You give them a little no. rope and they, you know. 100%. Oof. God, okay, now we're getting personal. Okay, so a few other things you would like for us to keep in mind when creating a parenting plan. Um, well, let's start off with one thing. I, I think you have to look at the parenting plan like it's a floor, right? I have so many clients that come in and say, well, I just want to say, you know, joint custody and we'll agree on everything else. <laughs> Those bare bones orders are recipes for disaster. Disaster, Yeah. Um, because, and this is the way I explain it to clients. I say, look, get this order, this plan as a floor. If, and and this is what we find in these cases, uh, very frequently people come in amicable. We're, we're ready to split. We're good. We're no problem. We'll work through it ourselves. And then six months later, there's a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend and, or a new husband or wife and everything goes south. Now, now you're at loggerheads, right? And you just can't work through this. Mm-hmm. Your floor, your order was meant to be a floor, the minimum you could count on in your circumstance. So when you go through this case, think about, think about it like this. If the worst were to happen and they, let's say they're amicable now, maybe they're devil incarnate now, who knows? But um, <laughs> if you're amicable, I mean, honestly, we've seen that, believe me. If you're amicable now, or even if you're dealing with devil incarnate, right? Floor. What are the minimum things you know you need to count on with your kids? Mm-hmm. So you need your schedule, right? You need phone access. You'd want email access. You'd want to know where they're going to be on vacation so you can have contact with them or in case of an emergency. You'd want to be equally involved in everything that's out there. All of the school events, all of the rec- extracurricular activities, all the information from teachers and doctors, et cetera. Um, right of first refusal is a really good idea. Um, holiday schedule. And again, remember, even in the most amicable circumstances, 
or the most contentious circumstances. This is your floor. Your ceiling is whatever the two of you can work together to agree to. Okay? That's your ceiling, which can be sky's the limit. And I will tell you in these cases, life happens. You're running late from work, right? Now your order may say, hey, you gotta, you gotta be there for pick up and drop off on time. 20 minutes late. Are you gonna have that problem? Of course you are. Mm-hmm. Are they? Of course they are. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand that ultimately it never works to strictly interpret each provision of the order. And that's all you can rely on. Yeah. But you still need it as a floor. Yeah, you definitely do. I I recently met with a new client who told me her agreement is dad can see the kids whenever he wants, as long as he gives two days notice. And I'm like, honey, Uh honey, we got to we got to work on this because you're you are going to be working for that man. And that's my God. Right. That's, you know, you you have to really, like you said, I think vacation and travel are super important. You want to know where your kids are going to be and being able to communicate with your children. I had to modify my own parenting plan to make it so that my daughter could FaceTime me twice a day. She was two and wanted mommy. And so I put that in there and, and not because I don't think her father would have allowed her to call me or not, but I just wanted to make sure I had that opportunity. And that's something that many parents will say to me, I don't speak to my kids all weekend. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not healthy. Yeah. That, you know, and, and, and in my, and in my view, it should be when the kids want to, and, and let's listen, sometimes it's built into the order. You have to, you have to know your kids, right? When I say be a dad or be a mom for that matter, I think it's, I mean, my personal view, and not everybody's going to agree with this, is I think moms are more in tune with their kids right out of the gate. Yes. As soon as they're born, moms are just in tune with their kids. It's biological. It's it's rare. It's extremely rare that that's not the case. Right. Because I found when I first became a dad, my wife just had this automatic instinct that I just didn't have. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean I say, well, she's she's going to be a better parent. She's their mom. That's it. No, you don't give in. You say, hey, then I need to get involved. Right. I need to learn. I need to, you know. So I think, um, you know, the more you're involved with the kids, the more um, the more you're going to be in tune with things. And, and with the communication, like the telephone or email communication, I think a lot of dads you'll see. And this is for you moms. This is really advice for the moms more than anything else is the dads are going to say, well, you know, there's, I'm supposed to have my phone call at, at uh, seven o'clock. Oh my God. All the time. <laughs> and you're going to say your kid is in the middle of a tantrum over right. the broccoli that was in his pasta. And so I don't know what to tell you. Right. Absolutely. Or you're going to say, you know, even my kids, when they talk with their grandparents, they pick up the phone, they'll say, hi, Nana, I pop up. Then they're playing with their toy or this or that. Totally. If you get a high or you get a mommy or daddy, I love you. That's, that's good, man. That's good. Or even just hear their voice. But I think when you're in tune with your kids, which I think moms tend to be on average a little bit better at out of the gate, um, you know that. You understand mm-hmm. what it, what it's like to to be with a mm-hmm. four year old, five year old, six year old, and and you know your your email telephone contact is not going to be the same thing as when they're twelve or thirteen. Right, and you can't be the parent who takes it personally and then addresses right. it with your child because then they'll never want right. to speak to you. Just saying. That's that's right. You can't punish. You know, again, all these are meant to be is just a contact. And it's and again, I can't stress enough. This is viewed through the eyes of the children. I have so many parents say, "Well, I'm entitled to this," and I. Fuck your entitlement, guys. Yes. Right. This is not a toaster. This is a child. Yeah. 
Exactly. I love it, Dennis. You are so insightful. And I love that. I mean, your passion for helping the families, not just getting people divorced is so clear and so evident. I wish we could talk about this all day, but I know we have other things to do. Can you please share with us where everyone can find you and your amazing TikTok and all that? Well, you can find us at DR Vitrano Law, and I believe I'm at DRV Law on TikTok. He thinks, you guys, he thinks. He's so good <laughs> at it that he doesn't even know. I know. This comes This comes from a guy that's got like 10,000 things going on at any given time. Let's see what we got. <laughs> yes, we are at DRV Law for the TikTok, and I, and I will tell you for that, I'm going to try to thank you, everybody, for tuning into that um, and participating and making comments I want to encourage an open dialogue there. I think it's cathartic for people. It's therapeutic. Um, That's one of the things I love about my TikTok. So, you know, check that out and keep trying to put out as much good information as we can. And, you know, just have a place where you can talk and exchange ideas back and forth. And I'd also really like to applaud your website. I'm going to link it in the show notes. There are like so many blogs that are worth reading and checking out on so many topics related to divorce and co-parenting. So I highly suggest that too. And keep sending in your topic requests. I love to make miracles happen over here. And I appreciate your listening and your feedback. Dennis, thank you so much for being here. Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process, from legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists and it's called the Moms Moving On Membership Community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com and click on become a member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.